Welcome to the PCTR Podcast. I'm Robbie Itterberg, Senior Pastor. I want to thank you for listening today. We hope that you hear from God and that this podcast encourages you in your faith journey. You can connect with us on social at facebook.com slash PCTRNJ or our Instagram handle, PCTRNJ. Or you can find more information or resources at PCTR.org. Have a great day. Peace. Good evening to you all again. If we haven't had the chance to meet, I'm Robbie Itterberg, the other pastor here, and I'm excited to to jump into God's Word with you tonight. And as we do, I'm wondering, how do we get into the flow of what God is doing in our lives and in the world? Have you ever thought about how we can get into the flow of that? So my family went camping just before Labor Day. We were up on the Delaware River, right on the Pennsylvania-New York border. We could really throw a rock into the river from where we were sleeping, and it was off the grid for us, or at least off the cell phone grid for T-Mobile. It was one of those spots that doesn't have the pink on its map, you know, so... But among the the things that we did there, we were ready to float the river. We had brought tubes and an electric pump, thankfully, and we pumped them all up. We threw these tubes in the back of my truck. We drove up the river about 20 minutes, and we were able to hop in. Everyone had a tube, including Everett, our youngest, and we had been told that just before, like the weekend before we were there, the river was so high and running so fast that it wouldn't have been safe to be on, and so we were grateful to have this opportunity, and so we jump in. Now, I got to tell you, at this point, I would have liked to have a little more of that water because this was a really slow, gentle float. Now, it was enjoyable, relaxing in that regard, and it was really pretty slow until eventually an hour, maybe a little over an hour in, we could see our campsite off in the distance, but just up ahead in the river, we could see a disturbance in the water, and we're looking, trying to figure out what that is and what's going on there, and then, bump. Underneath me, I hit a rock, and I realized, oh, okay, I guess, I guess it's getting shallower as we go. And so we're like, okay, how do we get into the flow where the river is going now? And a couple, of, couple go off this way thinking, okay, if we go farther to the right, that'll be better. A couple go off you know, over toward the left. I kind of stay in the middle, and they are seeming to make their way, and I think I've really figured it out. Like, I've found the little chute, and I can see it where I'm just going to pop through that little chute. It's going to kick me off to the right where the current is really going to take off. It's going to be perfect. And so here I I am coming up to the chute when suddenly my backside is along the bottom of the river and I am stopped dead in my tracks. So much for having the inside track here. So much so that I couldn't even use my hands and lift up enough. Like I had to get up and I am now walking through the river having to pull my tube along with Everett's tube so that we could finally get back into the current. How do we get into that flow? How do we stay in the flow? How can we see it so that we can stay in it? That's what we're going to be talking about tonight, 
This is the next message in our series that we just began last week called Go and Serve Together. In this series over the weeks to come, we are going to be thinking about and exploring how the Lord equips us, how he sends us so that we can go and serve in the world. This is one of our strategic priorities as a church. We believe this is part of how we will participate in connecting to full life in Jesus Christ, and we will also help others connect to that fullness as well. And so last week, as our foundation for the whole journey, we looked at a passage from John where Jesus has his disciples gathered, and he says, as the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. Like, this is the foundation of all that we do. All of the reasons that we serve, the reasons that we would go, is because God is ascending God. He sent his son Jesus to bring salvation, to offer a way to be in a relationship with the Father, and then he also has sent us to go and to serve as he served. And so, of course, naturally the question becomes, who do we go to? Where do we serve? And these are great questions, and the the short answer is... We want to go where the flow of the Holy Spirit is already on the move. And we want to get into that flow as well. And so we're going to look at this through the lens of this Acts chapter 10 story, this story of primarily Cornelius and Peter. You heard the first half of the story a little bit ago, and now we're going to jump in for the second half of the story and think about how do we get in the flow of what God's doing in our lives and the world. And so, if you want, you can follow along on the screen, but let's hear God's word for us out of Acts chapter 10. The next day, he, being Peter, rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection I ask then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but 
God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Let's pray as we move into this together. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word that you give as a gift so that we can hear from you. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit who is the power on us and in us and the one who leads us into all truth and equips us for life as you intend it to be. Thank you for this space that we have in our lives right now to listen for you intentionally. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be the one speaking. The only words that are remembered, that are held onto, are from you. That you would move us and compel us as we seek to go and serve together. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So if you've been with us, you know that this Go and Serve Together is so much more than a sermon series. It's really a season of intentionality in the whole life of the church where, yes, we're, we're walking through these messages each week, but we also have groups that are gathering throughout the week to not just reinforce what we're thinking about and hearing from God on the weekend, but also to be equipped and to discern how to actually go and serve, to put this into practice. And this last week, about 130 adults gathered and nearly 100 kids and students also gathered in groups to, do, to start doing this, to start listening. Yes, to connect with each other, but also figure out who, where, when, and how that particular group is going to serve. There's no predetermined projects. There's no lists to choose from. Simply do this. There are tools and exercises, there is scripture and conversation, there is prayer, and there's the Holy Spirit. This week, groups were invited to talk about what they hoped with this, and I'll tell you what I hope is I hope that God, my hope is that God can do anything through this. That when we don't put God in a box, that's when he then is able to do what he wants to do rather than what we want to do. And so I'm so hopeful that as we say, yes, God, use us however you see fit, that he's going to blow us away and he's going to get the glory and the honor and we're going to get swept up into this thing that he's doing and bringing healing and redemption in the world. And we will just be in awe and wonder of the living God. We also talked about concerns, and I just got to tell you that the biggest concern I think that has come up over and over and over again is, what should we do? And how do we know? Because <laughs> reality is most of us probably haven't done anything like this. We, ha we haven't really 
started from scratch, perhaps. And, and I'll acknowledge for me personally, I really like to have more control. I'm just going to own that. I like to have a lot more understanding of what the outcomes are going to be when I jump into something. And that's really often a very wise way to live. God's given us brains to calculate risk and, and to be responsible. And at the same time, he is calling us on this adventure to go as the Holy Spirit would lead. And so by definition, it's not about my control, it's about his control. And so how do these groups choose? And really, even if you're not in a group, this is the same question that every one of us carries with us every day of our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus and you are caught up in his work in the world to bring healing and hope to the world that needs it, the question is the same every day. So what should we be doing? Like, it's great as a big, beautiful picture and idea, but like, seriously, what do I do this morning at 1030? What do I do today? And how do we choose? I want to contend that the way we choose is the same way we see Peter choosing what to do in this story from Acts chapter 10. You might be going, wait, so you're expecting me to get a vision of like a sheet with some animals coming down from the sky. You're expecting angels to show up. And, and I'm not telling you it's going to happen, but I'm also not telling you it's not a, that it's impossible. Or you may actually get blown away by the way God chooses to speak to you and to your groups. And, but we may not get a vision like that, but I am confident we will get direction. And we're going to get direction from this God who is already on the mission. Right? He's the one that started this in the first place. He's the one that sent Jesus. He's the one that sends us. Like He's the one that has said, I will bless all the nations of the earth. He, Jesus says, I will build my church. We're told in Acts that, yes, we go out as witnesses to the ends of the earth, but we receive the Holy Spirit as the power to actually do it. It's all dependent on God anyway. Because he is the one on mission. And so, I contend that we see in this story and in our lives today that God is already active. He's already working, moving in the places where we're going to serve, the people among whom we're going to serve before we show up. I was a, a chaplain for a few months full-time in a hospice and a hospital, and I had never done anything like this before, and, and it was totally overwhelming. Walking into these rooms, I had never seen so much pain. I'd never, it's never been so in my face, the struggle that so many people were living through. I had never experienced the smells. I had never experienced the sights. I had never experienced the feelings, the pain. I had never felt so inadequate to know what to say. What do you say? To someone who knows that it's the end. What do you say? What do you do? And for me, I was so overwhelmed. I wanted to bring help. I wanted to bring relief. I wanted to be there as the presence of Jesus. And so I'm talking with my supervisor about some of my struggle for control and knowing the outcomes. See a theme in my life. And my supervisor looked back at me and said, do you really think that you bring the Holy Spirit into the room with you when you go? And I, I was silent. Uh, I hadn't ever consciously th thought about it, but it's how I was living. 
I was living as if this is up to me to bring hope and healing. I've been living as if it's up to me to come up with the right words and the right things to say. I was living as if I care more about these people than God does. But the reality is, God was present with each and every one. The Holy Spirit was alive and active and present in their life. They may not have been able to see it. They may not have been able to understand it. And so my job, as Peter's job, was to get in the flow of what Holy Spirit was doing. The Holy Spirit was already at work in Cornelius' life way before Peter ever goes to Caesarea to meet with him. We've got to think about this. Cornelius is a Roman centurion, so he is a Gentile male. He's not Jewish. And he is living in Caesarea, which is a prominent, significant town for trade and taxation. And as a centurion, he would have had like 100 men underneath his authority. So, I mean, he had some, some prominence and some standing. He was clearly a trusted soldier in the army. But we're told by Luke, the writer of Acts, that he was also at that time, not after Peter shows up, but at that time, he was a God-fearer. That he prayed, that he gave generously to the poor. Like, what had been happening in Cornelius' life that brought him to that point? Because he was a Roman. He would have been raised and steeped in the Roman worldview and culture of the day. And so he would have had the whole pantheon of pagan gods at his right there. And yet somehow the normal lifestyle of the Roman people had become dissatisfying enough to Cornelius before Peter even shows up. That the reality of his success in the military, his power, his status, like we find that when Peter shows up, he must have a fairly significant house. He's got servants. He's got those who work under him, those who work for him. So he's enjoyed some sort of worldly success, and yet it's clearly not satisfying. He's seeking something else from God. And he would have been raised in this world of pagan gods where part of the worship of these gods was wild and ecstatic parties that were also not satisfying. So this wild, good life, this power and successful life, something was lacking. Holy Spirit had been at work in Cornelius trying to show him, hey, this isn't going to lead you to where you want to be. This isn't going to get it done. And so he then turns and becomes a God-fearer. I mean, he worships the God of the Jews, even though he's not welcome in the temple or the tavern you know, at that time. He wouldn't have been allowed to join them in worship. If he had gone up to Jerusalem, it would have been like, no, you can only go this far. You can't go right into the very presence of God. And he was trying to make something of his life different from its past. Right? And, and so that's all leading up to the moment where then we also see Holy Spirit explicitly before Peter goes. Because here's Cornelius praying at three in the afternoon and an angel is sent to him to speak to him. Now, understandably, he's a little freaked out. But he's given this clear message. I want you to send, go, send to Joppa. There's a guy named Simon there. That's Peter. And he's staying at a house of a guy named Simon. He's a tanner. They weren't very creative in their naming, I guess. Only, only a few names. 
And I want you to send for him and bring him back here and basically listen to what he says. And so, of course, Cornelius gathers his servants, tells them what has happened, and sends them off to Peter. But the Holy Spirit is working 30 miles away in Caesarea while Peter is hanging out in Joppa. Peter has no idea what God has prepared already for him to do. Peter's just going about his life. And the same thing is happening. We have no idea the ways that God is already at work in the world, but I am confident that he is in the work, at work in the world. Because his mission that he is on is to bring healing and redemption to the things that are broken and to bring them, they're already under the reign and rule of God, but for all of creation to experience the joy and the blessing of the reign and rule of God. God wants that more than you or I want that. That's what his mission is. And it's happening. It's happening in surprising places all over the world even. I read an article this week by a guy named Darren Carlson, and he was noting how there's a a magazine called Mission Frontiers, and that magazine in in 2018 reported that out of a study of 600 Muslim converts to Christianity, 25% experienced a dream that led to their conversion. 150 out of 600 experienced a dream that led to their conversion. Was Holy Spirit working in advance? He tells a story about one of his friends who uh, told of a Persian migrant who arrived at a refugee center early one morning and he was visibly upset and he happened, happened to run into a Persian pastor and starts telling this pastor he's so upset because during the night he saw someone dressed in white raise his hand and say, stand up and follow me. And the, the man said to the man dressed in white, who are you? And the man in white responded, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the way to heaven. No one can go to the Father except through me. And this man, so distraught, begins asking this Persian pastor, who is he? What am I going to do? Why did he ask me to follow him? How shall I go? Tell me. Tell me. And in response, the pastor held out a Bible and said, have you seen this before? And the man said, no. Do you know what it is? No. No idea. Why was it that he was quoting the scripture, because the pastor opened to the book of Revelation and showed him the place where Jesus says so clearly, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And the man started crying, saying, how can I accept him? How can I follow him? And the pastor led him in prayer, and as he did, the peace of the Holy Spirit came over him. The pastor gave him the Bible and warned him to hide it because where he was living, it could get him in a lot of trouble. But the man replied to the pastor, he said, the Jesus that I met today, he's more powerful than all of the Muslims in this camp. The man left and an hour later he came back with 10 more Persians and told the pastor, these people want a Bible too. Is Holy Spirit working? Before that pastor, the pastor didn't go looking for this guy to have a conversation. Holy Spirit was at work in his life and brought him right to him. The pastor just happened to be ready when he showed up. Holy Spirit is at work. Even in the Muslim world, he is work, at work in America. You don't, we don't know necessarily what's going on around us unless we have the eyes to start to see and the ears to start to hear. And Peter would have missed it too 
if he hadn't also been intentional about seeking, seeking God, of being present with the Holy Spirit and listening. We're told in the story that he, was, he had gone up to the roof at noon. Well, this would have been his normal practice, praying with intentionality at least three times throughout the day, morning, noon, and evening. It was likely more than that, but this would have been his normal rhythm and routine, prioritizing space in his day-to-day life to get away and simply be in the presence of God. And suddenly, when he's in the presence of God, it didn't happen to him every day at noon, but on this day at noon, he's put into a trance and a vision shows up because Holy Spirit's doing something in the world, and he wants Peter to be a part of it. And he gives them this vision of a sheet coming down out of heaven with all sorts of animals on it and says, kill and eat. (laughs) Well, that was weird for Peter because in this, on these sheets were, were animals that according to the Jewish food laws would have been unclean. Right? These would have been animals that according to our Old Testament scripture, God had said for his people not to eat these animals. And the reason he had said that at the time was to mark his people differently. It was to set them apart. It was to say, hey, you're different than the rest of the world. And so some ways it might seem silly to us, so they weren't supposed to eat pork or they weren't supposed to eat lobster. And and so God had said, but I want you to look different. I want when people to look at you, I want them to realize, I want them to see in your lifestyle that you have a different set of priorities and values. I want them to know that there is something distinct about you because you are to be the light that's pointing to me. That was always his plan. That was part of his sending of the people of God throughout the Old Testament to be the light to the world, to point to the, to the Father. And so here's Peter. He's been abiding by these food laws his entire life and now has this trance, this moment where Holy Spirit is showing him, wait, I'm supposed to, I can have the pigs and so I can have bacon and lobster? Like, wouldn't you just think he'd be going, yes! See, he's never had bacon. He doesn't know. He doesn't know that his life just got a lot better. Matter of fact, he's freaked out by it. He's freaked out. And he argues. Did you see it? Three times he argued with God. No, no, no. I've never done anything like that, and I'm not about to start now. And God's like, let me tell you again. See, what's beautiful in this, as we're trying to think of how do you get in the flow of what God is doing in your life and in the world, this is a relationship Peter is engaged in. He's not a robot that's simply getting commands and executing them. Because at this moment, the command is defying his understanding and his sensibilities, and so he's arguing, he's perplexed, he's wondering, he's pondering, he's trying to figure this out because it doesn't make sense to him. And man, this seems to be a pattern of God when he sends his people out into the world to go and to serve and to be the presence of healing and hope in all of the hurting and dark places. It often seems to hurt our brains. It has throughout history. But Peter is engaged in a relationship with God at such a level that he can work through it. He can work through his apprehension, his confusion. And he allows then God to continue to speak to him. See, it it wasn't just about, okay, God, here I am. Give me my orders and I'll do it. It was about, God, here I am sitting in your presence. Oh, wait, now you're telling me to do something that I don't understand. 
we're going to miss out on getting into the flow of what God's doing in the world if we're not present, simply being with Holy Spirit consistently, available. And not just so that we can figure out what we want to do. I know so often that, that's how much... We, we can get so wrapped up about, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do about this? What do you want me to do about that? What's the next thing? What's the right thing? And, and yes, that's part of what these groups are asking is, Lord, what do you want us to do? But if we just are trying to get what we want to do, then we're going to bypass God himself. And if we really want to get in the flow of what the Holy Spirit's doing, we need to get in the flow with the Holy Spirit. Be available. Make the space and time. Be in relationship. It's not just trying to say, okay, what do you want me to do so that I can check the box and I can feel good about myself that I got it done? How can I enjoy the presence of God? How can you enjoy him, the relationship with him, and out of the relationship, he will lead you. And he'll lead us as he led Peter. I have a friend, a good friend of mine, who gets up every day every day, and he sits with the Lord, and he spends however much time that is. It's not prescribed. It's not like, okay, I got to do my five minutes. got to do my 30 minutes. I got to do my two hours, whatever. It sits and is just simply with the Lord. And in the course of that time with the Lord, he then also does make sure to ask, okay, Lord, what's my assignment today? What would you have me do today? And his it has led him to all sorts of things that don't necessarily make sense. It's led him into politicians' offices, advocating for folks that don't have a voice. It's led him into relationships that he didn't expect to have before, and now he's working at racial reconciliation in a variety of ways. It's led him to my office. It's led him to other pastors' offices. It's led him to his neighbors across the street, down the street. The, the Holy Spirit has led him all over the place because he simply said, what do you want me to do today? Are we available? Are you available like that to let him lead you where he wants to lead you? I think one of my, I'm just going to confess one of my challenges. If my day is scheduled from beginning to end, I have no more space to say, God, what do you want to do today? I have no flexibility if God wants to change the plan, if I'm going to stack it all so busy, so tight every day. But maybe he wants me to go to Caesarea. But I'm in Joppa. That's what he wanted for Peter. Now, Peter does go, doesn't he? Peter has wrestled this through with Holy Spirit, who's patiently guided him. And he becomes convinced, yeah, this is what Holy Spirit's doing, even though he doesn't actually know what the Holy Spirit's doing yet. He just knows he's supposed to go with these random guys who have come looking for him. And so he goes with them. They, he makes this trip and approaches Cornelius' home, and Cornelius comes out and throws himself on the ground to worship Peter. And Peter's like, whoa, get up, get up. Like, I'm just, I'm just a guy. I'm just a man. But, but see, Cornelius didn't get it. 
Yes, Holy Spirit is alive and active in his life. Yes, Holy Spirit's getting him, moving him toward where he wants him to be. And what is also the normal flow and practice for someone to fully come to know God through Jesus Christ, to be able to identify that it's Holy Spirit that's working in them, there is also a follower of Jesus that needs to come along and actually introduce them. Because he didn't get it. And so Peter's brought to introduce him to the one that he kind of knows. They're kind of acquaintances now, right? But he wants to become Lord and Savior. But Peter is still confused. But he's still walking in faith with the Holy Spirit because he knows he's in the flow. But he tells them all, you all know how unlawful it is for me to come into your home, right? It's like a massive disclaimer. Because as much as he's never eaten bacon, he's also never stepped into the home of a Gentile, probably, to a non-Jewish person. Maybe he did with Jesus here or there. Maybe. But this moment, he's saying, I'm breaking all the rules because you're not the kind of people that people like me associate with. But he steps in. And see, this is, this is Jesus' pattern. Because there are too many people who are in Cornelius's shoes. Who they, they feel, they recognize, they know they are on the outside of God's blessing. They know it. They know it from their life and their circumstances. They know it because of what the church has either explicitly told them or has implicitly told them because what has been made clear is, yeah, this isn't for you. See, Cornelius had heard the stories of Jesus. Peter even says it. He says, you knew, like you know, you know everything that God did in Israel with Jesus. And then he goes on to recount the story. But it's interesting in the midst of the recounting of the story of what Jesus has accomplished, this incredible thing God's done in his life and his death and his resurrection, in the midst of telling the story, Holy Spirit, as Pastor Christian said in our meeting this week, interrupts Peter. It's like, Peter, yeah, okay, you're done. Your speech is over. Because Holy Spirit moves in. And in this moment, has confirmed something for Cornelius and the rest of his household that he almost didn't dream, dare dream possible before. See, what Jesus has done for Cornelius doesn't become real for him until Peter comes for him, until Peter moves in and serves him by breaking the rules and giving him the dignity of the, his presence in his home. And Peter didn't really fully understand what the vision was about until this moment where it said he opened his mouth. It's kind of like he's working this out as he goes. He just starts opening his mouth and talking, but he realizes that, oh, this is what this is about. God doesn't show partiality. Those who we used to think were on the outside are no longer on the outside. Those who we didn't think were worthy, those we thought who were disqualified, those that we didn't, didn't think were welcome into the presence of God are invited to come to him through Jesus Christ. And Peter, by coming into Cornelius' home, has embodied that truth. That there is no one that is outside of the invitation of God through Jesus Christ. Not one. And now Cornelius 
has to repent just as Peter had to repent, just as all who come by faith through Jesus Christ have got to repent from the ways of life that are in rebellion from God and not fit his plan and aren't what's best for us. We're all on a journey of having to unlearn the things that we aren't, aren't supposed to know. But the invitation is, hey, God loves you this much. You're no longer have to see, be on the outside. And so Peter introduces with his very presence the hope that is for him in Jesus Christ. But it wasn't until Peter went into his home, crossed his threshold, that Cornelius could then experience the truth and the reality that, no, this is possible even for me. And so, the Holy Spirit has been at work in the background. He's been at work in Peter. Holy Spirit has been guiding the steps, sometimes challenging expectations and understanding, but always leading forward to break down the walls that would keep those outside of the rule, the reign, and the love of God. Always breaking down the walls to bring when we go and serve, that's what we're going to do. And so are you in a space where you can see Holy Spirit at work in the world? Are you used to spending enough time with Holy Spirit that when he speaks, you'll know his voice? But that, that's something that, that you learn early on, right? You can probably, no matter how old you are, you can probably still pick out your mom or dad's voice in a crowd. It's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? You're like a grown human, and you're like, whoa, that's dad. What's going on? It's because you spend so much time listening and hearing the voice, leaning in and trusting. And so as we want to seek, how do you get in the flow? We've got to be in that space to learn the voice so that we can respond as Holy Spirit leads. And he's going to lead us. And it might surprise us. Bob Baldwin was an Enron executive. And, you know, that was a, for those who are of an age, that was a company that, well, it went defunct because there was a lot of bad accounting going on. But he, he had been very successful in his career. And he was able to retire at a pretty early age. And he retired in a town in Texas and had an incredibly beautiful piece of land. And it was basically a ranch and had all these horses and had this really comfortable and beautiful lifestyle. And everything was, was pretty great about it except for one thing. At the end of his very, very long driveway, right at the intersection of the road, there was a huge trailer park. And he was disgusted by it dilapidated homes and, you know, people in squalor and just, he, he really just couldn't stand it. And one day there's a huge sewage leak between his house and this trailer park. And he's thinking, well, this is great. Well, not really great, but it was an opportunity. He was thinking to get rid of this trailer park. And so he actually hired a whole huge team of attorneys to then bring suit to get this whole trailer park shut down and closed. And so he goes and brings it all to court and they're arguing in court about this and, and the judge in the midst of the argument just says, hold on, hold on, I understand your point. But can I, can I just ask Mr. Baldwin one thing? Have you ever been in the trailer park? And he had to, well, no. 
Has any one of your legal team ever been in the trailer park? Well, no. Okay, then we're going to put this whole thing on pause until someone can come with actual knowledge of what's going on. And so they meet as a team at the end of the trailer park, and they're ready to go in, and Bob's just not wanting anything to do with this, but they have to if he's going to get to his ultimate goal to shut this thing down. And so they walk in together, and it was exactly how he expected it. It was just as dirty, just as run down, just as problematic, and, and at the same time, he heard very clearly a voice say to him, which was odd, because this was not a normal experience, but he heard a voice say, if you don't like how this trailer park is run, then why don't you run it? And he was confused by that and stuffed that, didn't tell anybody about that, and continued on their tour and ends up going to church the next weekend. And in church, he meets a guy who had just come back. He had been a long-term missionary somewhere in, in Central or South America and had been just kind of sharing about that experience. And, and Bob leans over and just says, hey, I haven't told anybody about this, but shares the experience in the trailer park. And the missionary just starts crying. He says, I've been praying for an opportunity. I've been praying for an opportunity to run a business like a trailer park that I could get involved in as a mission, as a blessing to people who are hurting. And so if you've got the means and you, you'll buy, uh, my family and I will move in and we'll run it. And so he bought the trailer park. And the missionary, in fact, did move in. And so did Bob, not from his house, but he kept showing up. And they started rebuilding it. And they started serving these people who had never been served that before he had only looked at as an inconvenience, as those who were on the outside, the others, the disqualified ones, those that he didn't want anything to do with. And he continued to move in and they, they rebuilt the trailers and they built a community center and they had gardens that were blooming beautifully and, and they had been turning over this whole community. <laughs> and eventually the people come to him and they're so grateful of everything that he's done and they say but there's just one more thing Could, I, I know this is a lot and you've done so much but it's such a challenge for us to go to our, our Catholic church in town it's so expensive to get transportation it's so challenging w would you start a service here and so this Southern Baptist man has become a pastor to this group of had been outcasts, Catholic or otherwise, because Holy Spirit was on the move in the world and in his life. And instead of shutting it down, even though that was his first impulse, he said yes. And he moved across the barriers. And he transformed their lives with the hope that comes from Jesus Christ. He moved across the barriers, and that's what this communion table is about. It was redefining who's in and who's out. It was about saying anyone can come to the Father through Jesus Christ because he is the way for forgiveness. He is the way for reconciliation. His life, his death, his resurrection, not my goodness, not our race, not our quality, not our conduct, but the perfection and beauty of Jesus Christ has blown it all open for all of us. 
And so when we come to this table, we celebrate this profound reality of what God has done through Jesus Christ, and we are invited to be fed with this grace to go out into a world, to go and serve, to get in the flow of the Holy Spirit that will lead you and me and our groups and our church, perhaps into places that we didn't think we would ever go, doing things that we never imagined we would do, but so that we could bring the hope and the redemption and the healing of Jesus Christ. Friends, as we come to this table, let's prepare to receive. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we also are among those who are invited to come to this table because we have done nothing to deserve it. We've done nothing to deserve being brought into a relationship with you, and so we come grateful for all that you have done for us through Jesus Christ. Lord, as we prepare to receive the gift that you have for us tonight, will you hear our confession, Lord? Hear where we have, ha, have not listened, have not set the time and space aside to be with you, to hear from you. Lord, convict us where we have either intentionally or unintentionally drawn the lines in our lives of who's worthy of going toward and serving, who's worthy of being blessed. Hear us as we confess how we have either missed or ignored or shut down your calling and your leading by your Holy Spirit. Hear us as we confess in silence. Lord, thank you that you have broken down the dividing walls of hostility between peoples and you have eradicated sin and its consequences in us. Lord, as we come to this table, feed us by your grace by your Holy Spirit. We long to encounter you here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.